Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is the flagship show. My name is Chuck Smith. I am your host for this episode, and joining me is Tom Adams. Tom, of course, is in Connecticut, and he is under a severe hurricane watch. And while the damage isn't done right now, I think Tom thinks he is like Mark Wahlberg from The Perfect Storm which I guess makes me George Clooney, which isn't that bad. I mean, I, I can see the resemblance, but just kidding. And Tom, how's it going? I know you're staying safe there in Connecticut. Yeah, we can argue who's the better looking one in that in that <laughs> scenario. We'll have to ask some of our female listeners, but yeah. Well, as, I don't think I, I want that fight, Tom. I don't think I want to go there. <laughs> I don't know. It might be interesting one day when we have a slow news day yeah. uh, on a non-match day perhaps. But but anywho, I, I appreciate the, the well wishes. Uh, as I was mentioning to you off air just now, it's really we really haven't got the worst of it yet I, i've just i mean the forecast seems to have been much worse than it actually is you know i know other parts of the state and other states in new england are getting hammered pretty hard but just sitting tight thankfully was able to take in byron's win against fc coon uh, i actually have some syria ah, believe it or not on in the background because uh opening weekend for them uh and just yeah riding this out and happy to be on here with you to record this episode Tom, we are coming off the heels of a, a, a pretty crazy Bayern Munich win, 3-2 victory over FC Köln. And I, I have to say, I, I, you know, it was kind of, it started pretty nutty from the outset. I mean, you know, the club released a 4-2-3-1 formation when, when Nagelsmann put out his lineup. But I don't know, Tom, it sure looked to me like it was a 3-4-3 at times. What did you see out there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You had, uh, I know Phil Bonney was referring to Bayern's official app. They had one thing as far as the formation. When I had initially thought, I saw, okay, or I thought to myself, okay, either it's a back three with uh, Zula, Nianzu, and Upamecano, or as we've seen before with Hansi Flick, Nikla Zula out on the right. And it, and even Google's match sheet was just, theirs is usually way off, you know, no discredit to them, but I think they had... Uh, I think they had Sewell like on the on the left or something something very bizarre. Davies on the right. They always get it wrong. Uh, but as we saw, it, it pretty much wound up being Yanzu on the right. Obviously, Nikola Zula and Upamakano in the middle, and Fonzi in his typical left back spot. But you know, I just so much of this, you know, Nagelsmann with the amount of injuries to the squad that he's had, Pavard, Luca Hernandez, even Kingsley Coman for today. There's always going to be that discrepancy where we're going to question the lineup because he really doesn't have that much wiggle room. I personally thought uh, Stanisic would retain his spot in the starting lineup, but, um, you know, Nianzu, I don't think he was terrible, but uh, we'll get into this, but with, with Leroy Sané playing just ahead of Nianzu, you know, I think it really affects Sané's game depending on who's playing behind him, making those overlapping runs you know, that uh, are, are so famous at Bayern. We all remember the days of Alaba and Ribéry in those overlapping link-ups. But for what it's worth, Chuck, I think we'll get into this, but we saw how much the changes at halftime made a difference. And, you know, I, I get what Nagelsmann's approach was for this. He wanted that stability uh, in the back, and I think he showed a lot of faith in Nianzu. And perhaps, you know, just a lot of tired legs from Stanisic. The young guy asked to do a lot. Uh, and the DFL Super Cup win over Borussia Dortmund, and then obviously the Bundesliga opener at München Gladbach. Yeah, I didn't mind. Uh, you know, I didn't mind a little bit of a variation there with the formation. I think we all knew coming into this that Nagelsmann is a back three 
manager and that he'll lean on that at different points and and being able to be versatile like that and use different formations is going to eventually keep Byron's opponents off balance so for me as much as it may have seemed painful uh especially to I need no name uh I didn't mind it as much uh as for Nianzu it's hard to really even touch on him too much because he wasn't that impactful in the match and and like you said Tom uh, once we hit halftime and Nagelsmann made those adjustments and we saw Jamal Musiala come into the game, we saw Stanisic come into the game, it changed. And uh, Musiala brought the energy right away and immediate impact. He set up Robert Lewandowski. And, uh, you know, to me, this is something I've been pumping up over and over and over again with Musiala. I think he needs to be a starter. I think just right now he's better than Serge Gnabry, who had a brace today in the win. Uh, he's better than Leroy Sané, who I just, I don't know. I, I think it, we're at the point where this is the player he is right now. I just think he's unsure of himself on the pitch. Uh, he's just making some bad decisions. And uh, he's just in a rut, and he can't seem to climb out of it. And as for Kingsley Coman, I just kind of think that, uh, you know, he's been kind of down since January, and uh, it hasn't really changed. He's another one that seems to be in a slump. So, I mean, Tom, what did you think? You saw Musiala come on, making an immediate impact. Um, from that point, the game definitely got crazy, but it seemed that Byron was much more fluid in attacking once those moves were made. Yeah, just as you mentioned, I think we all saw Musiala made an almost immediate impact. He just has that ability with his almost unorthodox-looking you know, methodical dribbling with those long legs, which is part of the reason why he has the nickname from Leroy Sané, uh, as we all know as Bambi, but... You know, just the fearlessness as well. He's not afraid to take players on, especially, you know, you look at the reasons why Sané was pulled, and you could, we could all hear it. You know, I remember tweeting about it, the whistles and the jeers when Bayern would be on the break after winning possession. Sané would be uh, tracking forward on that right flank, and he would just either try and cut into his left, and he would make the wrong pass, whether it was Nyanzu overlapping or, or Kimmich working on an overlapping run or Goretzka. And just so many times he made the wrong decision or his pass just uh, was very stray and gave possession right back to Efsikun. And, you know, I, I think the fans just grew restless of that. I, I really don't think it was a, a very tactical decision to bring him off. I think it was just, you know, he thought Stanisic and Musiala would be doing a better job than both Nyanzu and uh, Leroy Sané. And, Kind of going back a little bit, I think part of his logic for using a guy like Nianzu, obviously there's a massive size difference between him and Stanisic. And I was actually even shocked, Chuck, to see Stefan Baumgart go with outright two strikers with Mark Gutz and uh, Anthony Modest. And maybe that's something that Nagelsmann would have anticipated and he wanted that size and physicality. Not to say Stanisic isn't a physical player. I think we've seen what he can do, but... Uh, you know, I think that might have been part of Nagelsmann's logic for starting uh, Nianzu instead of Stanisic and, you know, knowing that he had the wiggle room to bring those those guys on in the second half and to great effect. And even, you know, even you saw, I think Stanisic, like his heat map, he was all over the place when he came on, not in a negative way, but he was forward. You know, he tracked back quite well. Yes, uh, partially could have been at fault uh, for both of the goals, but I think it was a collective defensive fault for both of the goals that that Bayern conceded in quick quick succession literally two minutes apart between that uh Anthony Modest and Mark Uth goal but you know marginally offside but it was Alfonso Davies's outstretched left leg that was that was keeping him on but yeah Chuck I agree with you I think 
Musiala needs to be a guy, especially like today we didn't have Kingsley come on and it wasn't quite working uh, for Leroy Sané. You could just tell he was getting more frustrated. Nagelsmann was getting frustrated with it. The crowd was getting frustrated, which really doesn't help. But in Gnabry, you know, to this, at least Sané, he was tracking back, but on the other side of the ball, just wasn't making the right decisions. And, you know, uh, but that's the thing with guys like Gnabry, Coman, Sané, you know, you <laughs> Sometimes you do have to trust your gut and stick with it and leave one of them or, or both of them on or, you know, make that decision. Because as we saw, Chuck, with Gnabry, he can give you a brace. And that was ultimately the difference today. But, you know, that night, that would not have happened had Musial did not create that first goal for Robert Lewandowski with that beautiful, beautiful sequence of dribbling right along the byline and finding the main man, you know, just a few yards out from the six yard box. Yeah, the two cone goals, Tom, we were debating this in the BFW Slack channel, and it seems like everybody was putting pointing the finger at someone else. Like when I watched, you know, on the first goal, I saw Sula leave his mark, uh, trying to to get up and maybe just didn't get up as high as he thought he would. And when he ultimately left his mark, that resulted in an easy, relatively easy goal there. Uh, similarly, I felt like the two center backs were at most at fault for those goals. And especially in the second one, I felt Upa Makano was just a step behind and got beat. Now I can see, like you said, the defensive breakdown across the board on both plays. There were obviously multiple players you could point the finger at there. Having said all that, and knowing that there were two major mistakes made, I kind of was okay with the play of the center backs today. And with Sula and Upa Makano, they were not perfect. In the first half, they were really, really good. And I will totally acknowledge they made mistakes in the second half that led to goals. But I think that partnership is growing. I think it's got some potential. And I think Luca Hernandez, once he comes back and gets into the mix, I think Nagelsmann has a, a great threesome to work with there. How it works on the outer flanks with, you know, how Pavar will fit back in and where Stanisic goes when that happens, we'll have to wait and see. But what's your impression been of the center back pairing of Sulu and Upa Makano so far? I think it's been solid, and I think I even said this during the live tweet. I think uh, progressively, as each match has gone by, you know, mentioned Gladbach, Dortmund in the Super Cup midweek, and then uh, today at the time we're recording, Chuck, I, I think it's gotten progressively better each time. And just going back to those two cold goals, I think the first one, uh, first off, I mean, I don't even, I think Jonas Hector, while it was a, a perfect cross, I think he was just trying to put it in the area whether he saw the run of uh, Modeste or not. And I think with that situation, what Nicolas Zula was trying to do is, you know, uh, cover cover the man that had blown by uh, both Stanisic and Upa Meccano in retreat. You know, you kind of have to make a split-second decision. Yeah, you're decision. right. Do you cover the near post and or do you go and, you know, try and track what's behind you? Because if you lag for even a split second, you've made the wrong decision. And you know, obviously it just looked as he, as if he jumped maybe a split second too early and didn't make contact. But, you know, that that all started because Bayern lost the ball. Stanisic was pressed forward, um, which I think he got forward quite well. But that's mm -hmm. going to happen. It's almost calculated risk. You know, that Lewandowski goal just really opened things up, uh, especially having to change the way that F. Sekun were playing for, for most of the match up until that point. And, you know, that's the calculated risk you take. The more that they try and throw you know, and commit numbers on the counterattack, the more space they're going to leave uh, in behind. But, you know, this is so often the case, you know, whether it's Nicolas Zula and Upa Makano or, you know, back a couple of seasons ago, Mats Hummels, Jerome Boateng, whether it's Nicolas Zula, Benjamin Pavard, 
uh, Luca Hernandez, Nicolas Sula, or whatever it may be. That's just, this is just often the case when the matches open up and we know that our wingbacks, especially Alfonso Davies, like to press forward. You know, there's always pressure on that center back pairing. So all things considered, what this is the only the third time that they've played together in a competitive fixture. You know, I think it was aside from those two mistakes, you know, something definitely food for thought and good signs to work with for Julian Nagelsmann. Obviously, as you had touched base on, I think that, you know, the dynamic is definitely going to change for the better once Benjamin Pavard and Luca Hernandez come back from injury, because I think you'd be hard pressed to find any Bayern fans that would say those two guys wouldn't walk back into the to the starting back line. You know, I think Nagelsmann would have the diff- difficult decision of choosing between Stanisic and Benjamin Pavard at times, because I think Stanisic has more than exceeded expectations in his three appearances thus far. And even seeing what I saw from him today and his ability to get forward, you know, if Nagelsmann is really pressed for options with injuries or suspensions or whatever it may be like he is now, especially if we don't have Coman or we don't have Gnabry or, or Sané or whatever it might be, Stanisic, I think he could even do a job at right wing. I know that there's always a, an argument of, you know, can Fonzie do it on the, on the left side, but, you know, he kind of walks that line between if he's a winger, he's a little bit less effective than he is a defender, but he's one of the most attacking defenders in the Bundesliga, uh, let alone in Europe as a whole. So a lot of interesting questions, but that, that's something that I fully feel that Nagelsmann can uh, add to his treasure chest, so to speak, of tactics. Um, you know, so uh, wink, wink, that's something that the uh, quote-unquote title hamster can use in the future. <laughs> so I, I'm really wondering if this is a little bit of like covert warfare here with Nagelsmann in the club putting out a 4-2-3-1 as the formation when really he's going to shift to a 3-4-3 based formation and just not call it that because I think the uproar from some fans would be I mean I think a lot of people would unravel to be honest if if he if he came out and said I'm going to go to a 3-4-3 this is what we're going to do people would they wouldn't riot but they wouldn't be happy and you know, if he does start to trend that way, and as we saw earlier today, Herbert Hainer said that Nagelsmann will be here for five years. So he's got the power and the control to make things happen. He's got the confidence of the entire board behind him. So if he does decide to do this, uh, it'll be very interesting to me to see what happens with the wing situation, which is a something we should talk about right now. If that formation does come into play, it's going to make players like Sané and Coman less valuable to the team. Now, we all know Coman's contract situation and the battle that's been going back and forth there. I would almost almost anticipate this is his last season with Bayern. But as for Sané, I mean, he was Brazo's white whale. He was the big pursuit. He hasn't has not lived up to expectations. Before the season, Brazo even said this is a prove-it year for Sané. And, and to be quite honest, and I'm not going to be too harsh on him, he's come out and he's really been poor. He has not embraced that challenge. He's kind of sulking almost. And while I'll be the first one to credit him for the hard work he's done to become a better defensive player, he's confused offensively and you can see that he lacks confidence. And regardless of what formation that the club uses moving forward, I think there are some big questions out there. And I don't know how long Nagelsmann's going to be able to ignore the fact that Musiala is his most impactful winger. Uh, Tom, when you look at that foursome of wings, uh, and I'm including Musiala as one of the foursome, I think, you know, the club would acknowledge he's the team's fourth winger, but just based on impact and impact alone, since like, I don't know what, last March, he has been the best of the lot. 
And uh, I mean, when you look at that foursome, how do you see this playing out over the course of the season? Do you think Sané regains his form? Do you think this could kickstart Gnabry and get him going? And where does Coman fit in knowing that, you know, he's got these contract negotiations going on and, and, and an uncertain future with the club? Kind of looking at this from a few steps back, I think all four of those guys, Nagelsmann has the luxury of saying, hey, look, you know, you're the four wingers on my depth chart. You, you know, Sané hasn't performed his greatest, both at the Euros and, you know, since he's been back in these first three competitive fixtures. Gnabry, you take away his brace from today, had a few bright moments, but it was nothing really to write home about. When you take away those goals, Musiala, sensational. You know, everyone's getting on the edge of their seat when he's on the ball. You always expect him to take someone on, beat someone, or draw a foul, or, or, or do something productive. You know, there's just general air of excitement. Uh, you know, Coman, as you mentioned, he always possesses the ability to beat people. I think a lot of us are a little bit frustrated with his decision-making in the final third in a different way than Sané, if that makes sense. You know, oftentimes he chooses to take too many extra touches when the first-time ball would be there uh, or wriggles the wrong way and just puts a, a cross or a shot into orbit. Not to say that Sané doesn't do that from time to time, but I think the errors and decision-making they have are a little bit different, if that makes sense, Chuck. Um, but, yeah, so I think Nagelsmann, you know, if I were him, I'd be saying that too. You look, look, I don't care if you're Leroy Sané, one of the record transfer fee signings from Manchester City. I don't care if you're Serge Gnabry, someone who's well-established. I don't care if you're Musiala, a younger guy who's got nothing to lose, who's fearless. I don't care if you're Kingsley Coman, you know, flirting with, with making a transfer away, having your entourage and your family wanting to uh, almost pretty much force a move out of Bayern if you find the right suitor, particularly in the Premier League. Every You've got to fight for your spot, and if he's not impressed with what he's seeing from you, then he's got to make the decision to not play you and, and, and tell you why. And I know we're, we're nicknamed FC Hollywood, and we have a lot of big egos, a lot of big personalities to control, but Chuck, I think even you had written a piece earlier this week about Nagelsmann isn't, isn't phased by that. You know, He's a younger manager himself, when you consider that he's only what, 34, which is pretty crazy to think that he's only a year older now than Lewandowski. <laughs> um, maybe uh, Nagelsmann is now doing a dessert before dinner diet as well, because I noticed he was looking pretty jacked in that tight polo shirt today on the, <laughs> in the technical area. But yeah, Chuck, I mean, those, those wingers, like, that's up to them. You know, it, you can't, uh, even I had written several pieces about this, you know, Thomas Muller, Nagelsmann, Gnabry, all the guys in the training sessions during preseason that have been cajoling and, you know, egging Sané on for his positive play, you know, that's, that's good. And that's great to see that people are getting behind you and, you know, taking recognition of your positivity and productivity and training, but get it onto the pitch. Cause if it's, it, you know, it's a Nagelsmann had said after the match today, it's a business and the, the business is about getting points. You know, it wasn't pretty today, but you know what? Three points is three points. We're now in the top four, I think. Wolfsburg was the only team to win two matches. And, when you know, I think it was Stevie Nichol who was on ESPN Plus after the match. He's like, yeah, the, the title winners, they win these kinds of games. We saw Borussia Dortmund yesterday capitulate against SC Freiburg. They had a difficult, scrappy game. They didn't get the result, you know. We had a difficult match. We gave up two cheap goals, but we got the result in the end. So, yeah, with, with those four guys, Chuck, that's – I trust Nagelsmann to keep those guys battling. And it doesn't matter what your price tag is, where you come from. You need to fight for that spot. And 
you know, if you need to make an attitude adjustment or, you know, have an arm around, on, around the shoulder or get a, you know, an ass chewing, whatever it is, you know, I, I trust Nagelsmann to get whatever's required to get the best out of these guys. Yeah. My biggest concern with Sané is, is this what he is? Is this as good as he's going to be at Bayern? And if it is, it's not good enough. And I know the expectations on him were really high. Fans were all over this signing. And we saw the excitement on our site alone. Like this went on for 18 months, 18 months and probably 200 posts on our site. It was ridiculous how often this situation evolved and developed and how much we had to cover of it. We were at the point where we had literal sane exhaustion on the site. It was, it was a real medical condition for us. And, and I, I'm looking at this and, and I'm not seeing the player that, Byron thought they were getting and listen I'll be the first one to say he came off of that injury last year and I I will tell you right off the bat you need to give a player a year you need a year to get your bearings back to get your strength back to get that confidence back in your knee it's been a year he doesn't look any better his confidence seems shot does that mean you give up on him no but I also think you know, the Bundesliga is not an easy league. Bayern is not going to be able to cakewalk through it. They've also got the Pokal. They've got the Champions League. And if Sané cannot rise, take his game to the next level, make it better, and get where he needs to be, I think Nagelsmann is really going to have to take a close look at not just taking him out of the lineup, but thinking about Serge Gnabry on the right side permanently because Serge Gnabry on the left side, uh, not so good. Serge Gnabry on the right side, very good. So that's another thing to consider. Uh, I know that Sané prefers the left side, but Bayern at this point has, you know, they have the philosophy of really valuing the inverted winger. And I think that Sané, maybe even to try and get him going, if you're going to continue to play him, you might have to swap him out to the left and just see how it works. Uh, but this will really be interesting. And like I said, the three, four, three slub subplot, if Nagelsmann goes there and, and it takes some value away from the wing position, I think that the club will be content to let Coman go. I think it really would make Musiala even uh, more potent of a player. And I think that might officially spell the end for Sané as well. He could be right back on the transfer market if Nagelsmann starts to evolve that way and play that formation. So that's kind of where I think this is all going to end up eventually. I just think we're going to be told we're seeing one thing when it's actually going to be another. And that'll really take us into the next topic. And this has been one going on, Tom, that it's been going on for weeks now. And we've, we've seen so much about this potential transfer that I believe it now. Now I have seen so much and I've read so much about it. I believe Marcel Sabitzer is going to make the move from RB Leipzig to Bayern Munich, and I think it's going to happen soon. Why it hasn't happened earlier, I don't know. But Sabitzer's been on the bench twice now for Leipzig. He's he's you know been a substitute. He's entered games, but um, it seems like RB Leipzig is looking to kind of slowly move on from him, and uh, they know that he's going to leave, but. Tom, I haven't, I've talked to you on our Slack channel a little bit about this, but I haven't really got your raw, unadulterated thoughts on Sabitzer and how he fits. What kind of role you think he would have in Bayern? Because when I look at it, I don't see him as one of the 11. But again, if you change the formation, you might be able to squeeze him in because you would have less of a reliance on using those wings. So what do you see with Sabitzer? And if Byron was able to get him, do you think that would really kind of push Nagelsmann to, to start to look at changing that formation permanently? 
I think what's great about Sop Bitzer is he's such a utility and auxiliary player. Like, he can really play. Uh, like, if I put my Liverpool hat on for a second, like the Jurgen Klopp fan. Oh, you love player. to put that hat on, Tom. <laughs> I just, I know you do. <laughs> hey, you know, it's always a good weekend when Liverpool and Bayern win for me. So, you know, I got to wear both hats, both literally and figuratively, because I do literally have hats <laughs> for both clubs. But nonetheless, like, Chuck, I think, uh, as we've seen with how productive Sabitzer is, both for uh, RB Leipzig as well as the Austrian national team, is whether Nagelsmann keeps like a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-2-1 or, uh, as you were mentioning, switches to a 3-4-3 type of system or a 3-4, you know, however you want to dice it up in the attacking third, you can kind of insert him anywhere. He could play in the middle alongside, you know, a, a Kimmich or Goretzka if need be and have more license to roam forward. You know, I think that would be a very awesome dynamic if you have Kimmich as the six and then Goretzka and Sabitzer with the, the freedom to roam forward that does uh, tactically sacrifice one more attacking player if that's how you have to go. But for the 18 million euro price tag that is currently on offer, there is no reason in my mind why we shouldn't fight tooth and nail to get this deal over the line because, you know, I think we've seen over the past couple of seasons even even the fact we've been able to win nine Bundesliga titles in a row, we're going for a 10th, obviously the trouble winning season. I think, uh, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find someone that said every season Bayern is plagued with injury troubles and we really have to use as much depth as possible, even when it seems scarce. And so, you know, there'll be people who will say the argument, if Sabitzer comes, what does that mean for Thomas Müller? You know, the Ram Deuter, because he kind of plays that uh, more free attacking role uh, as a number 10, sometimes on the flanks, sometimes as a, a midfielder that drops a little bit deeper, closer to Goretzka or Kimmich or whoever's behind him, which Sabitzer can kind of do both. Sabitzer can also play wide, I think, uh, to great effect, as he's shown in the Champions League, uh, both last season and the season before uh, for RB Leipzig in particular. I remember the game against Atletico Madrid, uh, where he played very well, but you know, so that's, I, I, I guess that answers the question, all things considered. Like, we don't know what's moving on behind the scenes or, or what's going on. I think it's a little bit uh, telling. You know, we basically had the Dom Sebastian show for RB Leipzig in their 4-0 routing of uh, VfB Stuttgart in the first match of this match day. It's almost like it's a, uh, while they're not the exact same type of positional player, it's almost like a uh, changing of the guard. It's like, okay, Sabitzer's probably going to Bayern. Here's our main guy that we got last season, but was out injured. And, you know, it, now it's his time and he's the successor for this. So uh, those are kind of my thoughts on Sabitzer. And I think whether it's a 3-4-3, three, three, uh, a 4-3-2-1, 4-3-3, three, you know, XXX, uh, whatever, you know, whatever the formation <laughs> is, there's room for him. And if he doesn't start one game, fine. He can come off the bench. He can start the next game. I mean, with the amount of matches, like, what is this stretch? That was match three of five that are going to come in a span of 15 days you know imagine how beneficial it'd be to have him you know in the ranks for this stretch of matches because that's not easy some of these guys make it look easy but it is not you know that's a lot of a lot of miles on a lot of legs and you know whether that spells the end for Kaman or the start of the end of Sané 
Uh, I'm not really as concerned with that. But, you know, Sabitzer, 18 million euro, that alone should just be making you say, get that deal done before August 31st or yeah. on August 31st. <laughs> I hope we don't have any of those, you know, Harry Rad- Redknapp, like failed fax machine stories, or, <laughs> you know, players having a change of heart at the airport and sobbing home or whatever. But, you know, yeah, get that deal done because that would be a fantastic addition for us. Yeah, it, to me, it's an amazing piece of business and would be, uh, just on it would be unreal if Brazo could pull that off because the numbers we've seen 18 to 20 million euro I mean Sabitzer is so much better than that number and to be able to get him for that price if true to me I, it's a no-brainer uh, so Tom hear me out on this so I, I'm gonna envision I'm gonna put my my thinking cap on here I'm gonna come up with a three four one two and you tell me if this lineup is Champions League winning worthy. So let me let me hit you with Neuer in that. Then my back three would be Luca Hernandez, Nicolas Sula, Dio Upamecano. Out as the wing backs, I'd have Alfonso Davies and then either Benjamin Pavar or Stanisic on the right side. And that middle in that central midfield grouping, I'd have Kimmich and Sabitzer right ahead of them, Leon Goretzka. And the top two leading the formation, Thomas Muller and Robert Lewandowski. Now, obviously, this would put Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sané, and whatever wing you would take out there and put them on the bench. Uh, but it would give you Gnabry and Musiala as uh, great game-changing options to bring in and ignite the offense if you were struggling. So I know this is putting you on the spot, and we don't need to dive too far into it tactically, but what would you think about a lineup like that? I think that could 100% compete, especially in the Champions League, you know, with the uh, the aggregate system. I know what they're doing away with the away goal system now, but the onus is always uh, always on Bayern from that standpoint, especially in the group stages when you have, you know, without discrediting anyone else in Europe, you have at least one or two sides that are that are much, much weaker. You're going to have to have that dexterity in your lineup to be able to both control it and be effective on the counterattack because let's be honest, just like we see in the Bundesliga, we're going to be setting up against a lot of very, very deep lying blocks as we saw against FC Kuhn today that are very difficult at times to break down. And uh, just listening to the lineup, I would say one diff- one maybe difference I would make with those midfield three. Um, I see Sabitzer as someone who's just a bit more creative on the ball and a bit mm-hmm. better of a dribbler. So I would say, I would have Goretzka sitting a little bit deeper with Kimmich because I think those two already have such a fantastic understanding of yeah, that's a good you know, who needs who needs to sit at home when and vice versa. And I think Sabitzer is the guy you want to give that license and freedom to in the attacking third because I just think he's a much more creative player, better on the ball. Um, you know, not to discredit Goretzka at all. You know, he's gonna if he hears yeah. that, he's gonna come just absolutely <laughs> flex he's on me, smash through your you wall know, there. <laughs> yeah, and just make me look like an absolute shrimp. Like I've never gone. <laughs> to the gym a day in my life. But um, yeah, so that's the one change I would make. And, you know, that's, I think when a lot of Bayern fans look at this, you know, you'd be remiss if you were like, well, this puts Thomas Muller on the bench. This puts Serge Gnabry on the bench, or this puts uh, Musiala on the bench. There's always going to be question marks over that. I mean, this is FC Bayern München. You have an incredibly stacked roster and even some plans, some fans, excuse me, would complain now that the roster isn't as thick or as deep as it's been within the past couple of seasons. But, you know, the, I have no problem if the right formation for the right match 
means, you know, having Sabitzer, Leon Goretzka, Joshua Kimmich in the midfield, as you said, with uh, Nicolas Sula, Hernandez, and Upa Makano in the back, and Pavard and Davies as wingbacks. If that means sacrificing Thomas Muller for one game, or Leroy Sané, or Gnabry, or Kingsley Coman, fine. I mean, then that's the, the right setup, but, you know, um, it would be tough. You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, th I think the productivity between Thomas Muller and Lewandowski speaks for itself when they're on the pitch together. If there was a way that we could just have a starting 12 or 13 instead of starting <laughs> 11, I would love to have Muller, Lewandowski, and Musiala on the pitch at the same time. And Stanisic, Stanisic, like, right next to Pavard so they could both do right back. But, you know, obviously uh, FIFA and UEFA, they're not going to make the decision to go 13 versus 13 anytime soon. But... I think all things considered, that lineup that you had spouted off with that one little tactical tweak between mm -hmm. Goretzka and Sabitzer could smash anyone in the Champions League. Bring it on. See, Tom, that's why every brilliant manager needs a good assistant coach behind him to help with those little tactical tweaks like that. So I think maybe when Bayern, uh, when Nagelsmann's next contract expires, maybe they should look at Smith-Adams, uh, the combination to come in and really get things going in the right direction. And I well, want to just yeah, so for that, if Nagelsmann is the title hamster, what would that make us? Oh my God, uh, got wise. the title tool bags probably, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but handy uh, for any job. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I want to jump back really quickly one second. You brought up Dominic Sabasway, and he was a player that we, I think, a lot of us on BFW, we've been admiring him and for years. And we, when he was closely linked to Bayern Munich, I. A lot of us were excited because we thought that might happen. And he's a player who can impact the game, both from a wide perspective and centrally. But I wanted to give our guy, Brian Kellogg, credit on this because he was the OG Sabasalai uh, expert. Because in 2018, when we did a piece about the player we would like to transfer in as part of our you know end of the season uh, series that we do, uh, he identified Sabasalai and he gave all of the pertinent information. And if you don't know Brian, he doesn't write for us anymore because he's super busy as a scout. Of course, like he's like a legitimate scout. Uh, he could not have been more effusive in his praise of this young player who at the time, none of us had really known or really even heard of. So uh, you might think we're a bunch of buffoons at BFW and, and, Okay, so I am, but the rest of the guys there and the girls that we have on staff, they are not. They're really smart. So every once in a while, when you pop in, you're not going to get the tinfoil hat theories or, or I need no names, uh, effusive praise of Thomas Muller. You're going to get some real legitimate information uh, that's going to maybe help you out in the future. And, and in that same piece, let me bring up that I said Timo Werner, which, okay, I, I still stand by that. I would still bring him in. Tom said Florian Thauvin. Listen, Thauvin, I would have been okay with that at the time, though, because I think he's a decent winger, and I think he could have fit. And there were a lot of rumors at the time that Byron was going to attempt to bring him in. So there were a lot of good selections there. Fita Arp was another one. Our guy Val was like, bring in Jan Fita Arp. He's the next great striker. And, again, I'll still back that one up, too, as much heat as I might take over it. But, uh Tom, before we wrap this up, I, I wanted to, to bring this up, and you just referenced it again, the title hamster. Now, you and I have a very similar sense of humor where we are uh, we are entertained by a lot of the nonsense that goes on and a lot of the stupid things that we hear. Like, I'll, I'll just a couple of them I'll rattle off here. 
uh, Storm Tank. Robert Lewandowski was re- referred to as Storm Tank at one point, and we loved that for a long time. Uh, the scumbag gene, when Nico Kovac was trying to articulate why maybe Bayern should pursue Ante Rebic, uh, the, the scumbag gene term came out, which we, we had a lot of fun with. Uh, the dessert for before dinner, uh, Robert Lewandowski, which you and I will reference on a daily basis because it was still one of the funniest things and, and most incredible things I've ever heard. Like this guy eats his dessert before dinner because his wife, who is a nutritionist, has told him that's the way to go. And it's amazing to me, but who can argue with the results? And just earlier this week, we got just a gift, a gift that was wrapped up and handed to us, Tom, the title hamster. And Julian Nagelsmann referring to his little hamster teeth and and making himself called the title hamster I I, I'm still laughing at it yeah I know you got a big kick out of it what did you initially think when you saw that what what's absolutely incredible about that is just you know when we're doing stuff for Bayern usually I as you mentioned all the funny stuff like you and I really take it and run with it especially like me and you know, you met, you forgot about uh, hashtag Burger King. Oh, He's yes. The the, yeah, Arf, yeah, the Burger He King. had, uh, you know, like these visions of uh, owning and building burger stalls if his footballing career doesn't work out, which is like uh, one of the he, more Hopefully like, he's not getting his secret recipe ready just yet. <laughs> which is like one of the more bizarre things. <laughs> or uh, when I was trying to remember that uh, the guy, he was like a former sporting director for – Bayer Leverkusen, I think he was like a almost 400 pound guy. <laughs> I exhausted like two hours, like <laughs> trying to find the old story. I don't even remember what his name was, but it's one of those things. It's like, there's so many just things to focus on. Like when Nagelsmann was the new manager, you're focusing on his tenure with Hoffenheim and RB Leipzig and, you know, his ability to work with young players. And like, it, it's funny because I remember even it was the opening match, I think two or three seasons ago. And we were joking about how, like, it was very, very clearly evident that he had his eyebrows waxed before the <laughs> match because you could see it in his technical area at the Allianz Arena back when he was Hoffenheim manager. And, you know, it just what's great about it is because I know he always has kind of had that young-looking face as a younger guy with a, a little bit bigger teeth, but it, I never would have, like, before he had said that and you were asking about the translation, I never would have said uh, Nagels, Nagelsmann is just a little hamster. And then he said it himself, kind of embracing it. And then people had just posted gifts of like hamsters, you know, shoving food or carrots in their <laughs> pouches that they have. And it's just one of those things now I'll never unsee it. And I just absolutely love how he owns it. And like, that's to me, like the best part of it. Like he called himself the title hamster with his little hamster teeth. And now like I'm never on our Twitter account going to, you know, retweet uh quote retweet a picture of him smiling or celebrating a victory uh especially if it's with silverware never going to not include julian nagelsmann fc Bayern title hamster in it that's just that's a <laughs> and uh, yeah like you had said on the slack channel i think we have our next t-shirt idea and hopefully there's no trademark licensing agreement against putting a a little Bayern kit on a on a hamster like hoisting a trophy or a beer or something like that because I would buy about 50 of those and just hand them out to people and tell them you need to wear this. Yeah, that was, it was truly an incredible moment that you and I probably enjoyed way more than most people. And that's going to about do it for us on this flagship show. As always, 
leave your feedback in the comments and, and thank you for your support. Uh, you know, be sure to rate us, like us, subscribe to us and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. You can find me at the Barrel Blog. You can get Tom at, at TommyAdam71. As always, you need to be following Tom as he is the Twitter Meister on BavarianFBWorks.com. Uh, BavarianFBWorks, sorry, I have a .com. Wow, I'm like cycling back there. But uh, uh, you can also get Jake, who's been really busy, and we hope to get him back on the show soon at Jefferson Fenner. So thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.